in this way. I'm so thankful uh, for the congregation here and, and uh, for those that work as a part of this congregation, especially I think about Laura being here last week with Lucas, and we're thankful that they're able to be out and the blessing that she is working with our young ladies. Thankful for Philip and the tremendous job that he does leading singing, working with our youth, and as you know, also in preaching. Uh, I know so many have commented the tremendous lesson that uh, lessons that he preached recently. I know several recordings uh, uh, have been requested and just so much good is done. And God's blessed us richly and we're thankful for him and uh, God blessing us with Philip uh, to work here and the work that he does. I like what Tracy said. Uh, she told me Sunday night, she said, wow, Philip did an amazing job both times Sunday. And then she got the bulletin and she looked at the contribution and it was $8,000 over budget. And then she saw that we ran over 1000 again Sunday morning. And she said, David, maybe you just need to let Philip preach all the time. And uh, I'm thankful that we have uh, men that can step into this pulpit like Philip that can do such a tremendous, tremendous job proclaiming God's word. And I'm thankful that tomorrow will be the beginning uh, of John Michael Kennedy's work here as the involvement minister. As I already mentioned, we're thankful that he is going to be here. We're excited about that. And I want to encourage you. Let's be praying. Let's have a thousand people praying for him today and tomorrow and for the weeks coming that this transition would be a blessing to him and that it would be a blessing to us. We all know that the work of the Lord is important and we need ministers. We need servants to help us along in that work. And so I'd urge you, uh, for the love of the Lord and for the love of His kingdom, uh, to be praying about this transition, uh, that it would truly be a blessing. You know, in many ways, we haven't had an easy 12 months this past year. And uh, we've gone through a lot of transitions. And I can say that uh, I believe with all of our heart, all my heart, that God is good and God is faithful. And one of the reminders to me constantly of God's goodness is you as a congregation. Uh, it is such a blessing to work here. Tomorrow will end my 12th year here, uh, begin my 13th year uh, tomorrow. And what a blessing it has been. I can honestly say it's one of the greatest blessings ever in my life. And, uh, and I thank you for that. And it's a privilege to, to work with you and to serve God together. And I hope that we can do that for a lot of years and then for an eternity together. Elizabeth Montgomery is probably best known for her role on Bewitched where she was Samantha that could twitch her nose and some kind of magic would take place. As a matter of fact, at the time that this show was at its height, it was the uh, most popular television show ever on that particular network. As a matter of fact, she's won Emmys and, and Global uh, uh, Golden Globes uh, awards four and five times each uh, for her performances on that show. Late in her life, it's declared to be for certain a true story. She was on a commercial airline and, and she had, was seated, seated beside, of course, another person as, an, as a woman and, and a lady coming down the aisle of the aircraft there stops and says, oh, it's Elizabeth Montgomery. And by this time, everybody stops and, and, and looks at her and says, oh, you, please, please, I have a huge favor. And everybody is even now more intense. And she says, will you do that little nose thing, please? Without hesitation and with a big smile, she twitched her nose just like she had done for all those years on television. Later, as the aircraft was in the air, the lady sitting beside her said, you must get really sick of that, huh? 
And she smiled and she said, never. If that's all it takes to make somebody's day, I'm glad to do it. What is your attitude about kindness? How do you rank it? How important is it? Is it no big deal to you whether or not you're kind to someone, whether it's a stranger on an elevator or someone you're sharing the road with, someone you're sharing your house with, someone you're sharing the auditorium with, somebody that you'll share the Bible class with, somebody you'll share the parking lot with, somebody you'll share the restaurant with, somebody you'll share your community with, somebody you'll share your work with, somebody you'll share your school with. Does it matter to you whether or not you are kind? It does to God. It does to God. As a matter of fact, he would say the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. God has first loved us and so we love others. God has first shown us loving kindness and we are to show loving kindness to everyone that we meet. For some of you, this is your favorite time of the year and for others, you may cringe a little bit, but we all find it to be a good thing. I want to ask those of you that are sitting on the end of the pew to begin this morning by doing something kind. If you will, uh, grab the kindness cards that are there. They're banded up. Don't take the bands apart. It's designed that everybody here uh, that's old enough to participate in this would walk out with one band of cards. If you will, pass those down. Uh, They're only on one end of each aisle, so so you'll have to pass them all the way down for everybody on your aisle. And um, there are ten cards there. And what we want to ask you to do, if if you're new to this, we want to ask you, uh, and we see several of you doing the kind deed of making those available to others. That's that's good. This is a good time to practice kindness. And uh, make sure everybody around you has those. And what it is, is ten cards that really they're only placed in your hands so you can be a steward of them. They're not yours to keep. They're yours that as you go out over the next few weeks and months, I would ask you to look for things that you could do that are out of the ordinary of what you would normally do in the area of kindness. I realize, and and I realize this to the depths of my being, I know this. This auditorium is full of people who do kindless, kind deeds regularly. But will you for the next few weeks be looking for something you would not normally do in the area of kindness? And when you do, instead of taking the credit or receiving the glory yourself, would you just leave our hand the individual, one of these cards, that simply declares to them, we hope this small act of service shows you God's love in a practical way. What a wonderful way to give God the glory. What a wonderful way that individuals would see kindness and better see God. One woman wisely said, I've learned in life that most people forget what you say. They forget what you do but hardly ever will they forget how you made them feel. When you walk away from people this week, how will you have made them feel? What about if they feel like God loves them? What if they feel like they've just received some kindness and they don't really know why? They didn't think they deserved it. But it sure made them feel good to know that there's still kindness in this world. Friends, for so many And maybe some in this room, but a lot in our community. They just need one thread of hope. They just need one glimmer of kindness. They need to have some kind of just grasping that maybe somebody still loves them. That maybe there is still some goodness left in this world. 
Will you be that for that person this week? And will you leave them a kindness card? We'll talk at the very end of this lesson of some things that you might could do. But, but the truth is the suggestions, they may not be all that good because I've learned over the past few years, you guys far excel those suggestions. But I would remind you that we also are, are setting up online. If you go to our website, which is on the bottom of that card there, www.mountjuliet.org, you'll see the icon that's on your screen right now. You can click on that. And we would like for uh, some of you, we'd like for all of you, uh, to go there and post anonymously what you've done. The reason that's important is we are, in, in Hebrews 10 and 24, we are to stir and provoke one another to good works. And this is a wonderful way to share ideas of what we've done and, and to realize the good that's being done in the community, to hope that, that it would just spur the momentum on. It's, it's not a way for us to receive glory. It's for us to enjoy the glory that is being given to God. How neat is it to think that over the next several weeks, roughly a thousand people would do ten kind deeds right here in this community and God receive the glory. Imagine the impact of 10,000 people. You know, in past years, we've had people that work drive throughs to say, you are the third person today that's done this. People don't forget that. They don't forget the impact of kindness. In our story today, it's really just the beginning of three stories that tie together in the book of Luke. As a matter of fact, it's one story, then there's another story that literally intertwines, and those next two stories are told at the same time. I'd like for us to give an overview of what's happened in all three of these stories so that we can appreciate Jesus. You remember the Gospels are written so that we can better know Jesus. And oftentimes we get into these stories and we see a lot of things about other people, but I'd also urge you to remember we're supposed to be seeing in the Gospels how those lives were impacted by Jesus. What did Jesus do? This first story is absolutely amazing. If you and I ever saw this in real life, we would talk about it for as long as we live. Can you imagine the sun going down and you're hearing cries? You, you hear crazy cries as a wild man, it seems to be, cuts himself with rocks. They've tried to chain him, but, but he breaks the chains. He has seizures that, that just makes him wild. He didn't have a home. Do you think there's anybody today in Middle Tennessee that's homeless? And as a matter of fact, probably many thought that he was crazy, mentally off. And Jesus, he steps off of a boat. And this man has interest in Jesus. And Jesus has interest in this man. Do you remember the first thing Jesus said to him? What is your name? Many in this room have helped homeless people. Many have given them a few dollars. Many of us have fed them meals. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but it would be interesting how many hands would go up if we just said how many have helped somebody homeless in some way. A lot of hands would go up. Then what if we said, how many of you took the time to ask them their name? A lot of us would have to put our hands down. Listen, Jesus was able to help people because He saw the individual for a worthy, valuable person. 
This wasn't some no man. This wasn't some crazy man. This wasn't some no name man. This man would describe himself by describing his problem. When Jesus asked his name, he said, my name's Legion. And he says, we are many. In other words, I have a lot of demons living within me. And so Jesus cast those demons out into the swine and the swine run off to the hill and they're drowned. And people in town notice when a couple of thousand swine drown. And so they come out to see what is all this stir? Who's taking the life of their pigs? And you know what they see? They see something they've never probably seen before. If they have seen it, it had been a long time ago since they'd seen it. They saw this man fully dressed sitting at the feet of Jesus, and the scripture said, in his right mind. What a blessing. This man is no longer hurting mentally. This man is able to be civil again. This man is going to be able to share in relationships. This man is going to be able to go back into his community and live a civil life. You would think that the town would celebrate. You would think that they would hug him. And you'd think that they would embrace Jesus. But instead, they remember the fact that their pigs are dead. And so they asked him to leave. And twice in this text it says they had great fear toward Jesus. And so Jesus obeys their command. But out of everybody in this city, there's only one that wants to stay close to him. It doesn't surprise us, does it? Who wants to stay close to Jesus? But the one that has received his loving kindness, he was drawn to Jesus. And so when Jesus was about to step on the boat, he asked Jesus, can I go with you? He was homeless, but there was a man that proved that he cared and he wanted to spend more time with him. But do you remember what Jesus' answer was? If you have your Bible open or if if you want to look down there, look in verse 39 again. Return to your own house is what Jesus would say. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus has done for him. Don't you love that description? Tell what great things God has done for you. Listen. If our idea is that Christianity is something that's designed for us to live it, and and our idea is we live it faithfully by just going about our own little business, minding our own little business, and when there's somebody a little bit different from us over there, and there's somebody else living a little bit different from us over there, and somebody with a different uh, social or economical level over here, and somebody with a little different intelligence and education level over here, and and we just kind of, we have our own little world. Friends, you don't see that in the life of Jesus Christ. You see a man who is constantly seeing individuals because their souls made after God's image, they have worth, and he's constantly reaching out to them and asking them simple things like, what's your name? He's reaching out to heal them and to make their life better. And even though you and I can't heal individuals, we can make their day better. We can be concerned about them. And you know what we can do? We can give them reason to go about their day and talk about what great things God has done for them also. Listen, I'm not saying that you and I, God would expect us to be fanatics as this term today, standing on a street corner on some kind of stool, screaming to the top of our lungs some kind of sermon. But God does expect our actions of kindness 
to be generous and continual. And that's the loudest sermon God needs in this community on a daily basis. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus obeyed and Legion obeyed. It says he went back and told everybody in his city about the goodness and the great things that God had done. And Jesus got back in the boat and went over to Galilee. And when we come to the 40th verse, we see that there was a great number of people waiting for him. And it's interesting how Jesus always had time for the people. And so we come to 41 and we see another man who is in need. And behold, there came a man named Jairus and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus' feet and he begged him to come to his house. Are you picturing this? Are you picturing a a religious leader? Are you picturing a very civilized man? This isn't the crazy man that lived out in the tombs. This is a civilized, religious, probably well-to-do man. And he's falling at the feet of Jesus. Probably people from a distance says, I can't, I can't hear what he's saying, but he is begging for something. What's he begging for? He begged him to come to his house for he had an only daughter about 12 years old and she was dying. For 12 years, he had had sunshine in his life. For 12 years, his only daughter had grown up. Any of us that have had daughters, we know the pitter-patter of feet. We know the giggling and the laughter. We know them coming and crawling up in daddy's lap. We know how they play with your hair as they're going to sleep. We know how they'll invite their friends over and they'll giggle and they'll, they'll scream and, and they'll tell stories all night long. His house had been lit up for 12 years. Now the light's not so bright anymore. His little girl is dying. And who is he going to turn to? You know, a lot of the rulers in the synagogues didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. We don't know whether or not he believed it before this day. But isn't it interesting, when he needed help, he knew where he could go. He probably had heard Jesus teach in this synagogue. And probably like all others, he was astonished. He probably had seen Jesus work powerful miracles. And he knew that this was the man, if any, this would be the man that could help his daughter. And so Jesus agrees. But as he agrees to go to the house, there's another story that's intertwined here. And it's interesting how it overlays the same number of years. See the rest of verse 42. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garments and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Can you imagine how Jairus must have felt at this time? He he wants his daughter to be made well, and and Jesus has agreed to come, but yet the crowd, the the throng, the the Greek there could literally be strangled. It's like the passageway was strangling. He couldn't get through. The crowd was pressing. And And then there was the woman, the woman with the issue of blood. Did you notice for her it was 12 years? So at the same time, for 12 years, there was lightness in Jairus' house. 
For 12 years, this woman would have known nothing but difficulty and darkness because you see, with the flow of blood under the old law, she would have been considered unclean and the unclean would have stayed out of the camp. In other words, she would have had to live a life similar to that of the lepers. She was untouchable. If she and the people around her obeyed the law of Moses, she would have been separated from her family, from friends, from civilization. And did you notice what she did? For these 12 years, she spent all of her livelihood on getting well. Perhaps you're healthy. Perhaps you look at at your house and your wealth, whatever measure it may be, and you think, I would never spend all of that in one place. I beg to differ, you would. If you could give everything that you have for health, It may take a few months or a few years, but in time, you would give everything you have for health. I want to encourage you to realize the blessing that health is and to see a woman here that literally for 12 years, now she finds herself in poverty because she has spent everything she has trying to get better. And then on top of that, there is the mental burden that some of you would know at least to some degree. It almost pull you into depression. And that is when you go and go and go seeking help after help after help and nobody can help you. When I see individuals that are most discouraged about their health, that scenario is almost always in play. This woman not only had a physical issue, but because she's human, a human that has searched for answers for 12 years and hasn't found any, I suggest to you that this woman was probably at wit's end. And can you imagine the hope that must have sprung through her being when she heard that there was one in town that could heal And can you imagine as she ran through the crowd just wanting to touch, wanting to cling to the hem of his garment. And that's exactly what she does. Look as we read in 45, and Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with her said, Master, the multitude's throng and press, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she is not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people and reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, notice this kindness here, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. This is something she hadn't known in a long time. Go in peace. You see, Her darkness had finally become light. Jesus, welcoming the untouchable and offering peace. Kindness, the second greatest commandment. But then the story doesn't stop here. For Jairus, his night got even darker. It's a very difficult day for him as we go into 49. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. 
Do not trouble the teacher. Notice that word. Do not trouble the teacher. Look at verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Friends, did you notice here? Don't trouble the teacher. In other words, I know he was willing to come, but don't trouble him. What does it mean, don't trouble him? There's no need for him now to invest his time. There's no need for him to spend his time. Here we have different opportunities in life. You come from different backgrounds in life. You have different amounts of money. You have different opportunities in how you'll spend tomorrow. You have different levels of education. We could go on and on talking about the differences, but you know one of the things we all have the same? Time. Everybody in this auditorium had exactly 24 hours yesterday. Everybody. Now how will you spend it? Isn't it interesting that here, the word is sent. Don't trouble the teacher. Why? It's always time consuming to help others. And what was Jesus willing to do? He was willing to go and offer the help. And that's exactly what he did was he brought the help. And this moment of darkness wasn't so dark after all. Look in 49, verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But look in 50. Jesus said, uh, She'll be made well. And look in 54, verse 54. But he put them all outside. He took her, talking about the little girl. He took her by the hand and he called saying, Little girl. Arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. Can you imagine what that day was like around that house? Can you imagine what that day was like that we just experienced those three stories? Can you imagine how different Legion's life is because he met Jesus and Jesus spent time? Can you imagine as he met the woman and how different her days are than the previous 12 years because Jesus spent time and told her to go in peace. He left Legion in the right mind. And now he leaves a little girl, not sick and not dead, but alive. What a blessing for a family. And how did he speak to her? Little girl. How did he speak to the woman that was the unclean woman? Daughter, go in peace. How did he speak to Legion? The crazy man. The homeless man. What's your name? What'd you learn today? I've learned that people are drawn to people who can help them. One of the best reasons to show kindness is because they may return to you one day to ask you more about the Lord that you serve. Number two, I've learned it takes time to help people. The only way you'll give out those ten cards is you'll have to be troubled. You'll have to take some time. Number three, I learned that Jesus always placed value upon people. It wasn't simply an act of kindness. It was doing something kind for someone He valued because He saw worth and value in everyone. So Ephesians 4 and 32 is a command. And be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. But notice who it's like. Forgiving one another just as God and Christ forgave you. 
And so there's many things that we can do, and this is just the hem of the garment, so to speak. But over the next few days, you can help the homeless. You can visit shut-ins. You can help a young parent with their child. You can give to a godly cause, leave an inspiring book with his card in it. You can send a flower to your mother with his card. You can buy someone's lunch. You can give away your umbrella with a card taped to it. You can write a note. Remember last year, we got an awesome note in return from one of the notes uh, that you guys wrote. You could read to an elementary class. You could give a gift card to an unemployed person. You know they could use it. You could mow a lawn, wash a car, bring a neighbor's garbage can from the street, buy a cashier a soda. You could take cookies to the neighbors, clean yards of a needy person, pick up litter on the street, take your teacher an apple, volunteer at the Nashville Mission, leave enough money in the vending machine with this card, tell your boss that they're appreciated. You can drop off cookies to the fire department, donate time to the Senior Citizen Center, give blood, visit a nursing home, visit a jail or prison, pick up trash at the park, buy a new book for the daycare or for Tuesday, Thursday school, help someone who's dropped something, call a lonely person, give a ride, a smile, or return the shopping carts at the store. But the bottom line that we all need to be left with is what is kindness? Kindness is caring about others enough to show them benevolence, gentleness, graciousness, and generosity. It is not a thought. That's an intention. Kindness is an action. Don't think you're kind because a lot of things run through your mind that you could do. We're only kind when we're like our Lord and we do them. This morning, our God is gracious enough. Loving kindness gracious enough to forgive us. It's only because of His kindness that we can be His child. If you've never been baptized into Christ or if you've lost the way and want to come back, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand and as we sing.
going to ask our teachers at this time to be making your way to your classrooms. If everyone else would, please fill out an attendance card and be passing those down to the end of the aisles. They'll be picked up in just a moment. <clears throat> our sympathy is expressed to Chip Buckner on the passing of his mother, Judy Buckner. Visitation will be today from 2 until 4 and then from 6 until 8 at Hermitage Memorial Gardens. Her funeral will be tomorrow at 1 o'clock at Hermitage Church of Christ. The viewing will be from 11 until 1. Congratulations to Kevin and Jenny Montgomery on the birth of their daughter, Elsie Clare, born August 5th, weighing 9 pounds. 